Okay, we're all good. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Welcome back to the B2C Lead Gen Podcast. My name is Daniel Hopewell here with co-host Simon Delaney and this is episode 39, The Impact of Agents on Conversions. And today we have the first ever return of B2C Legion alumni. In fact, from the very first episode we did, Joe Williams from version two, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, do I get some kind of trophy or something in the post for the, for the returning what, guests? What kind, of trophy would, what kind of trophy would you like? Realistically, that you would be yeah. proud of. Alarming that one, yeah. Like the desk, it'd be lovely. Yeah, I mean, it's not exactly a, a blue Peter badge, is it? But, um, <laughs> yeah, we can, we can call it something. Um, how you doing, Joe, you all right? Yes, very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, we're good, thanks, yeah. Yeah, doing well. Has uh, anything changed at version two since we last spoke? It must be, it's 40 episodes again. We've been doing roughly one a week. Um, so, right. uh, yeah, getting towards three quarters Back of the year. Back in the office, okay. I think it's the biggest change. You know, it's a professional background behind me rather than my living room sofa. Um, yeah. that's, that's kind of it, you know, more of the same. Uh, we're still doing, you know, really high volumes of lead gen via native and social advertising. We that's going super well. I've launched an agency kind of model as well. So we are now going to brands and saying, hey, you know, we think we can do native better than almost anyone out there. If you want to scale aggressively on native with lower CPAs, we can help you get there quicker. That's going well. And then we're having a big play into, into social um, using native ads as a kind of mechanism to drive users onto e-commerce platforms uh, via social ads. So yeah, lots, lots going on, but mostly more of the same, you know, we we take the risk on the media and we supply our clients lots of customers. That's kind of the, the model. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Cool. So the um, episode title, The Impact of Agents on Conversions. Um, so I missed a little bit of this conversation, so I'll ask to see where I'm at and then I'll ask you know, on behalf of everyone else listening too. You were chatting with Simon recently, right? And um, I know we talk, you know, normally we talked about, you mentioned something along the lines of you had some data about um, leads we're sending through and the kind of conversions and how various sales agents massively impact that. Is that, is that right? Is that sort of- yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty eye-opening for us, right? So we run loads of lead generation campaigns in the UK for clients who want insurance quotes or mortgages or whatever. Somebody goes online, reads one of our articles, clicks through because they want the solution, fills in the quote to get, to get a call, you know, to then receive that quote so we're always measured on you know a cpl that we can achieve but the roi and contact rate conversion rate of those leads um and we always do quite a lot of analysis you know feedback loops on on what's driving conversions what's driving you know quality based on the media based on the ad spend based on the ads the sites that people are seeing these ads on based on the content that we're producing but we got some data in the client it, it included their kind of rep column on the data as well so it was just a, just an id number of all the reps in their business and we just did a pivot table by that. And we were like, shit, okay, um, 50% of, no, sorry, like I think it was 80% of all of their sales come from 50% of the reps. Um, so I've, of, you know, it was a six week test and we were being benchmark on like 7% conversion rate when actually the 50% of the reps who could sell were delivering 10% of conversion rate. It's just the overall conversion rate was being diminished by the, by the 50% who can't sell where their conversion rate was 2.5%. So the Delta, of conversion rate between reps was 4x in terms of 50% is 10%, 50% 2.5%. And it was just like, wow, okay. Which is fine if you're a 
established lead provider delivering loads of volume to that business because it averages out, right? But what happens for new marketing channels is the market manager just sets a cap. They'll say, hey, we can test 50 leads, at which point it's completely potluck whether if those 50 leads go into the 50% of reps who are good or bad and what the percentages are, and they'll come back to us as a business or to any lead provider as a business and say, hey, your conversion rate was 6%. Can you improve on that? Which, yeah, we can do. But really the improvement should be, well, let's just get a bigger data set and work across a larger percentage of reps because that's the biggest driver of whether these leads convert or not. And I was like, wow, okay, that's interesting. And I sent it to Simon, we sent a conversation on it. Like, no one really talks about it, but it's probably like in the lead gen space, the biggest driver of whether the leads are going to convert is the person picking up the phone and talking to the customer. Yeah, it's it's amazing really when you think about it. And I the impact is felt in a lot of ways. So we actually were just doing um we had a conversation earlier about the why call centers in particular buy cheap data rather than leads, for example, or like high intent leads. And one of them is it's almost like a vicious circle of they've got their agents aren't particularly well trained. They've got a high churn, like some call centers have 50% loss of their agents every month and then they recruit new people. And so when you start thinking, well, why people might not invest in more leads, they, the reality is they don't have the agents that can actually convert them. Yeah. And so when they're benchmarking the performance against the list data or whatever it is they're buying, the whole thing's like not being judged correctly because I don't know, it's like putting a novice driver into a Formula One car. You know, like they're not going to win a race, yeah. no matter what car you put them in. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, something that we did in the past is run the machine learning exercise on um, some data and going into call centers and the conversions. And what we had to do is in sort of enrich the data where possible to find out lots of different parameters and fields and things like that. And what we were hoping is that when we got the results back, it would tell us that when a lead came in, we'd be able to pinpoint a specific agent and say, you know, like Tracy, give that lead to Tracy because she always does well with that sort of person or someone in that geo. But what it actually pointed out is pretty much exactly what you've just said is you'd end up with like seven agents and the machine learning, and this is over a lot of data and, you know, completely impartially analyzed would always say just deliver it to one of those seven agents because their conversion rates were so much better and their likelihood of conversion um, was far greater that that was the biggest impacts on conversion rates more than anything. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen it before where, you know, we've had grand ideas to yeah do exactly that root leads to agents based on, which agent is most likely to convert that lead. And that could be based on the age of that customer, the location of them, the traffic source. You know, some agents may prefer social leads because they get that platform and how the ads presented rather than native, which is shown on the mirror or the sun or whatever. And yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's not so much which agent's best. It's just these agents are best and these ones aren't. Um, yeah, and it's, 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 it's tough. And it's like, yeah, we saw the dating, like, okay, wow. But if we play that back into the lead buying market where marketers are buying leads and we can say hey you know we could quadruple our conversion rate for you tomorrow 
we've got this amazing secret sauce and we boil it down and say, what is it? And we say, well, just deliver our leads to agents A, F, G and H. <laughs> They're like, what? But that's what it comes down to. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. But then it's, it's like, at what point is driving the lead supplier, you know, find an efficiency on the media, which we're always trying to do, right? Always trying to improve upon the media, upon the messaging, mess, you know, and we, we measure ads obviously to CPL because that's what we get paid on, but to actual ROI and conversion rate and kind of make that work. But those are marginal gains when, you know, the big macro gains are, can you hire or train the staff to be more like your 50% who do the job properly? Um, which is, we have zero control over, but that's actually probably, you know, one of the massive factors in whether we're successful or not. I think you've touched on a really good point there is, what is it about these agents, which is different in some way? Is it their training? Have they been there longer? Is it just their personality? Have they, I don't know, got more infectious laugh or something like you know what's the um, what's the secret sauce? And it's really what's really funny is do you remember and nobody does it anymore because it's sort of been blown out of the water. But when everyone used to talk about the secret sauce from lead generation, now you have to be a lot more transparent about where it's collected, right? But the real secret sauce is what is that? What what is it about that person's personality that makes them convert more leads than the person sat next to them? Because that's all it's got to be, right? It's not, I always think it's a vicious circle where you just need to get over that initial hump of selling leads. Like I think, you know, call centers, the people who are good are the ones that just got a few sales in and now they're immediately upbeat and positive. So they're selling more. The people who are either new or, or are in that kind of trough of not doing so well, that's a vicious circle of kind of, you know, you picking up the phone without thinking you've got a chance to sell that lead. And it's, but but I, I don't know the solution to break to break right of that. The best outbound salesperson I've ever hired. So I used to, I used to um, work in a team and we would sell, this is how I first got into the industry, we would sell advertising to motor dealerships. So my first job in sales was picking up the phone and trying to cold call and sell people who sell used cars for a living. So pretty tough job. Um, but the best person we had in our team was an ex-charity fundraiser. So he would be a person who's you know, on the high street with a bucket, stopping people as they're trying to do their shopping to enter them into a conversation for them to donate to charity. And he was the best outbound telesales person I'd ever met. Because if you can, you know, stop somebody when they're with their kids and trying to, you know, do a bit of clothes shopping to then put their hand in the pocket and give you money, you're going to be pretty good at building that rapport quickly. Um, but, you know, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to make that a hireable trait across the whole market. That's two questions around that. One is... Um... Would you say you're more of a technical slant now rather than a sales slant? 100%. I went into sales because I came out of uni with a degree in ocean science, which was useful to literally no one. Um, and well, it might, just, might have been to some like fish <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then um, fell into sales, you know. But then I very quickly went down the data route of, you know, online sales and the data behind it and the technicalities behind it and what drives conversion of X over Y. And my business set up on that, right? That, that's what we do is it's not really about sales for us. It's about delivering results. And if we can put ourselves in the client's shoes and deliver more of those results, the sales kind of come. Um, so I spend all my day actually on the media buy side, not on the sales side, really looking at the data and the efficiencies of our media buying to one, make it profitable for us, but two, deliver a better client results, which means they can pay us more. Um, and that, that's actually a trait which I look for in our salespeople as well. It's, 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 I'm always wary of salespeople who call themselves salespeople. Mm. What, the other question I had is, um, if if we can establish or we know that um, the 
conversion, the future conversion rates of a sales agent is based on their confidence. So potentially getting a couple of sales on in early on. Why don't team managers or call center managers have a fake sale that happens at the beginning of like each call? Yeah, yeah. Day, calling day or something. Yeah. We, 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 you know, we've seen it in the stuff I used to work, I'm sure you've seen it as well, where there's a momentum that builds, right? If the team's mm. on a high, then it, that continues. You know, if there's a target to be hit and suddenly you still feel like you're going to hit that target, then everybody starts selling more. Um, but you're right, it's how do you kickstart that, how do you get that wheel into motion? Um, yeah. I think that would be really interesting is, to, yeah, look at the, because um, I, I think you're right as well, but look at the, imagine you had the call centered hours and then you had their performance um, it's like you said, some with 4X more than others, is what, at what stage in the day did the first sale come or something? I think, I don't know why they don't start faking it. They just say to someone's mum, like, can you just pretend to buy whatever it is? <laughs> and we'll wipe <laughs> it commission. off. Yeah, we'll wipe it off. It's a bit like a you know, mystery shopper. It'd be exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. That, that could be a service that people offer. That's a, yeah, yeah, there's a business model there somewhere. We set up yeah. a business just doing phone calls into call centers to, to improve their conversion rates by giving them fake sales. We might, we might have just inspired a whole new category for this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Joe, I just want to clarify a couple of things yeah. uh, based on what you said. Um, when you, that initial example that you talked about, mm. the data that went in, that was all equal, right? Because yeah. I've heard it before where you have like certain agents are better performance, then they get the best data. Just to clarify, that didn't happen in this It case. was all guidelines to each agent, and it was over a six-week period with hundreds of leads. So it was kind of, kind of a fairly significant data set. Um, yeah. Cool. So I was going to, yeah, I just want to make sure, because people might be thinking about that, just make sure that's um, yeah, clear. And the other thing I want to ask was, what did you do next? And what did the company do next when you pointed it out? Like, how did you act upon that? Was it acted upon anyway? No, so they, the sales manager knows that that's an issue, right? You know, it's not brand information that their reps, some reps perform better than others. I don't think they know the true extent of the numbers. Um, I think they're always looking to improve their sales performance, whether that's by cutting the bottom 10% or whatever. But when you tell them that, you know, the top 50% is four times better than the worst 50%, that's, that's pretty hard hitting. Um, and that may be a state of the market. You know, I know speaking to a lot of, you know, lead buyers at the moment, you know, hiring people is really tough at the moment and, and, and attrition is, is one of the worst it's been. So, you know, it goes, I think it goes into kind of training and incentives. We've started offering prizes to some of our lead buyers, which shouldn't be on my kind of money, but it is. So for certain lead buyers for us, we're kind of giving their call centers incentives where we put up prizes for them, you know, to work our leads. And that actually improves the conversion rate because again, it just, it just raises the morale and spirit. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a challenge. And they try to overcome it. Again, it should be overcome just with hiring and training, right? If there's 50% of your people who are doing four times better job, figure out what they're doing and how those people can become the business leaders to train the other 50%. If there's just an hour a day that each one of those 50 almost buddies with somebody else, then over time, surely those bottom 50% will get more like the top 50. But everyone's in a rat race. The phones are ringing, there's leads to be done. And do the, can they carve out an hour a day to do that? Probably not. Um, but I think that's probably where the biggest ROI will come from is just actually take a step back, let the phones ring for a minute, all those leads not be dealt with immediately for this one hour a day, maybe at the end of the day when they're not responsive anyway, or the first thing, or you, you can look at the kind of the, the, the times and have a system where the best reps are training 
the, the worst reps and that'll have a huge ROI, but I don't think many businesses will do it because they want their best reps on the phone for every hour yeah. of it. I suppose the, the loss that you'd make in the short term would be gained by the increase in the conversion rates, the ones that you're training anyway. So that's what you'd have to measure is like, and it sounds horrible, you'd have to get rid of the ones that can't come up to yeah. a level and then just have like an ever revolving cycle of highly performing agents. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, if, 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 if you're sacrificing a couple hours a week from, you know, your best 30 or 50% of staff, whatever, but in doing so, the bottom 50% double their conversion rate for the, you know, the next month, then it's, you know, the ROI is huge. Mm. But, um, I think that's a difficult sell into a sales manager who's always looking, you know, short term at number of sales on the board each day. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, Joe, we, if we've touched on upon the uh, you know on the previous podcast we touched loads upon the kind of things you were doing and um version two but one thing i want to ask just to um to kind of end this because i didn't ask you last time was i read a thing recently on linkedin um that was talking about the name version two and where that came from mm. um and i think we discussed this on the previous podcast but i wanted to just ask you just to end um where the name came because i thought it was a really cool story and we hadn't heard that before Oh yeah, so this is the name for us is version one is is the control, right? So everybody gets caught up by creating something beautiful and perfect and then setting it live, which is just completely mental because until you put it live, you don't know if it's going to work or not. But so our whole ethos as a business is get version one live, use it as the control and then create version two to try and beat it. So we always have whatever we do, whether it's ads, copy, clients, whatever, we're always testing. And the whole point of version two is you can always improve upon what you're doing just find a data point to try and measure from. Um, so yeah, that's where version two comes from, is, is don't settle for what you're doing. It's going to work from now until the end of the time, because at some point it won't. But if you're continually testing it, you'll always find these marginal gains. Yeah, so now it's a great name once you know the story. You should put the story on your site. I don't know if it's there at the minute. No, the, the, the site needs a rework, to be honest. It's, uh, yeah. it's one of those things, I think, where most marketers are bad at marketing themselves, yeah. because we spend all our time looking at our clients and kind of forget... So we're, the, we're, the, we're the same our site we've been looking at it for literally about the last three years going we need to improve it and we actually have we're just making it i don't know why we've not put it live we need to just get it live um but yeah understand that completely yeah, yeah i thought it was cool story i thought it was a nice way to um wrap it up especially as recently we talked to a lot of people about lead gen and the attitude that is aversious and thinking it can be a better way of doing stuff and sometimes it's just convincing people to try this new thing um yeah, I thought it was a nice way to uh, tie that back in. And um, yeah, it's a cool story. Um, thank you for joining us once again, Joe. We appreciate it. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yep. Cheers, Joe. Thanks. Cheers, Joe. Thanks for listening to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead gen world.